Yo, 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 what's good, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. We are back full of effect. Got another good one, good episode coming for you guys. Um, we're about two weeks into the preseason. We got one more week of preseason football, and then it's off to the races. We got college football, obviously, around the corner. So let's not waste any time. Got I got a few topics to get to. It's gonna be a lot of football. We um, we, it's just it's just that time of the year. I'm excited. I'm excited. It's just that time of the year. We're gonna be talking some football and so forth. But first and foremost, I'm your humble and highly favorite host, Isaiah Kit of the Isaiah Kit Podcast. Glad to be here. I hope everybody listening is doing okay and well. I know school is about to start back up, or probably has start back up for some people, depending on where you are in the country. Um. But yeah, so school's about to start back up. You know, I know everybody trying to get back to school, do you know, doing certain things and so forth. Um, summer kind of coming to a wrap. We got about a, a month left of summer. Um, so let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's not waste any more time. Shouts out to all the first time listeners. If you are a first time listener, greatly, greatly appreciated for you tapping in. Um, listening, streaming, downloading this podcast, anywhere you might be downloading it. We are definitely on all of the major platforms. Um, any DSP that you guys listen to music on or listen to any other podcast, I can greatly assure to you that the Isaiah K podcast is there. Um, shouts out to all the regular listeners. If you are a regular listener, shouts out to you. Greatly, greatly appreciate everyone that is listening and that is under the sound of my voice. And like I've already said, I want to talk about a. I want to start with this. I want to talk about a particular team that's kind of caught my eye, and 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 like throughout this whole training camp, preseason football, like period. No matter how good or how bad we think any of these teams are going to be. They all take it seriously. That's like I think that's the common that's the commonality around the league. Like it can be obviously we think you know we think of the Chiefs, the 49ers, and the Eagles. Like though though we we expect those teams to be really, really good and you know, playing in playoff games and so forth. And then but even for teams like I don't know, like the Cardinals who Maybe the worst team in football, right? Um, Indianapolis, like I think it doesn't matter how good, how bad, how good the roster is. Teams just aren't lollygagging and just like half stepping through the through this whole entire training camp preseason experience. Like it's it's all out. It's all out seriousness, and and so that's why I'm bringing up this particular team because. On a year-in, year-out basis, and I'm going to give you guys my predictions really soon, but if you know anything about me, if you if you are a regular listener, and if you if you heard my football content throughout the NFL season or leading up into the NFL season, and you heard my predictions before, which could be, they're pretty accurate um, more times than not, in terms of like standings and, you know, picking division winners and so forth. I always talk about how there's, and it's just it just what happens in the NFL. Like there's a couple teams, 
that are better than what we think. There's a couple teams that's not as good as we thought they may have been. And then there's always like four, maybe five to six new playoff teams. So you can assure yourself a couple teams that did not make the playoffs last year, they're going to make the playoffs this year. That's just what, that's just what happens, right? Like in certain instances, um, in division, sometimes the worst team goes to the best, you know, becomes the division winner. Like the NFC East has had a lot of those type of years and a lot of those type of teams where like, like the year before last, last place team in division. Now they're the best team in division. Right. And I, I, this team has caught my eye and I thought they, I thought they were trending in the right direction to end off last year, but it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, I I see a level of sense of urgency with this team. And I think if I think their upside is like a 12 win team. I'm just gonna like I'm just gonna put it out there. Like I think their upside is a 12 win football team, possibly. Um, and I, I I don't say that likely. I don't just say I don't just I'm not the type that just pick teams to win. 11 and 12 game because that's that like you got like you got to be a really damn football good football team like pieces just have to come aligned right but i i i've been really and i've been really enjoying or enjoy watching what i'm seeing from kenny pickett in his progression and i like i said i talked about it towards the back end of last year when the steelers got hot but it was a little too late. It was like it was Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh and Detroit were two teams at the end of like at the like the last month of the season, they felt like playoff teams, but they got going so like they got off to rough starts. Like Detroit just got off to a really bad start. Um last year, Pittsburgh, they started Mitch Trubisky for a few weeks. It didn't go as well. They put in picket a little too late, or whatever. But like those two teams from each conference. Detroit and Pittsburgh, the last two, three weeks of the seasons, they felt like playoff teams. They And what do you know? A lot of people really, really high on Detroit. A lot of people picking Detroit to win the NFC North. You know, you know, people think they're gonna be a playoff team, and I don't think that's necessarily wrong. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna probably be a playoff team as well. But Pittsburgh, I think, is trending in that same direction. You watched and take it how you want it, take it and leave it. But you watch their offense in the preseason, it's humming, right? And I think some of these things, I'm not the type to get hype over preseason, but I do think some of these things are translatable and they are translate to like actual real Sundays, right? Um, I thought Pickett, I really, I really complimented Kenny Pickett with his ability. Um, to extend plays, he was really good off script. I think better than what people actually get like thought of him as a prospect coming out of pit, right? And speaking of that, like, how many guys have we seen who weren't like highly talented prospects, um, or you know, we didn't look at them as like high ceiling type of guys, uh, but they have like some they had like they have like really good NFL careers. They carve out like some years of really good football. Like Russell Wilson wasn't really highly talented coming out of uh well NC State, then Wisconsin, right? Third rounder, 
uh, wasn't even supposed to be the starter in Seattle his first year. Matt Flynn, if people remember, Matt Flynn got the got a huge contract from Seattle. He was supposed to be their starter. Russell Wilson impressed so much, they started him. <laughs> they went with Russell Wilson over the guy they paid the big bag to. Um, Kirk Cousins, like, we have seen time and time again, we have seen guys carve out, I mean, in Russell Wilson's case, Hall of Fame career, Kirk Cousins' case, a really good career where they make a – Boat ton, boat ton of money. They win a lot of games. They put up good numbers. Like, we have seen this story a lot. And with Kenny Pickett, he has, in terms of the ingredients around him, he has it. Great organization in terms of, uh, like, stable coaching, stable ownership, stable front office, uh, Hall of Fame level coach in Mike Tomlin, a really good defense, a good defensive unit. And Pittsburgh historically they don't they do a really good job at drafting like skill position guys they got a nice steal in george pickens from last year i expect him to you know be better right um and take that next step so we expect their offensive line to be a little bit a little bit better and if their offensive line is a little bit better i expect Najee harris to have a little bit more production um in terms of the stat sheet and the numbers so pittsburgh like they have a lot to really like and work with. Um, and I think Pickett, he is the determining factor and the main factor as to, you know, if the Steelers, if he if he can ball, if he can play and continue on this trajectory that he's on, I think the Steeler team could easily be a surprising 11, 12 win team. But they have all the ingredients to like to be that good. They do. They, they, they really do. Um, and just looking at how they have approached, how they have talked about this season, you hear some of the you hear some of the veterans like Cameron Haywood, you hear obviously Mike Tomlin. They they talk about this upcoming season operate like they're operating with big expectations. And you know, it's the Steelers. It's the Steelers. And quite honestly, over the past few years. They have had some front row seats to like, you know, Cincinnati, you know, getting Joe Burrow, getting Jamar Chase, um, advancing to a couple of AFC championship games, getting to the Super Bowl. They've had front they've had they've had some front row seats to that. And, you know, you look at Baltimore, you know, Baltimore has been really, really consistently good when, you know, since they have drafted Lamar Jackson and when he plays, they like they 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 they're a threat. They're a threat year in, year out to win that division. Um, Pittsburgh have seen that front row and center. Um, you know, the mere fact that Pittsburgh hasn't won a playoff game since 2016, right? I think I don't think I think people, if you would ask me, like, hey, when was the last time the Steelers won a playoff game? They probably wouldn't tell you 2016. They probably they'd probably give you an earlier, I mean, or you know, a more recent date, but that's their last playoff win. That's the Steelers' last playoff win versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Alex Smith was the quarterback, right? And, like, that kind of puts it in perspective how long it's been. Alex Smith was their quarterback the last time the Steelers won a playoff game. Kansas City has a whole new quarterback, and they've won two more. They've won two Super Bowls in that span, right? <laughs> so, it, like, hasn't been – it hasn't been a disaster in Pittsburgh – but relative to their standard, that's not what they want. And, you know, I like the feel coming from the Steelers. 
I like the feel. I like I said, I think their defensive unit, you know, it's the Steelers. They're gonna be always they're gonna be pretty reasonable and pretty decent on defense. I think they're gonna be better than decent on defense, though. I think they're gonna be a top, I think they have a chance to be a top five defense of unit. Um, if not a top 10, obviously. Like I said, offensively, they do a good job at drafting skill guys. So, like I said, Pittsburgh, along with Detroit, they were one of the, they were two of those teams where they were playing their best football towards the back end of the year. And a lot of people are high on Detroit. I'm not quite sure what's the pulse on Pittsburgh because their division is a little bit trickier than the NFC North. But I think Pittsburgh, all things being said, if Pickett continues to play how he's been playing, I think Pittsburgh can definitely be, they can definitely be an 11 or 12 win team. I mean, that's just, that's just, that's just from my perspective. That's just what I'm, that's just what I'm feeling. I get a good sense um, and a good feel and a good feeling from Pittsburgh. So, um, yeah, they, they watch out for Steelers. Watch out for the Steelers. There's always a sneaky, really good team that, you know, you look up, you're like, damn. You look up, it's Thanksgiving. They're like, damn, Pittsburgh, eight and three. Yeah. Yeah. Pittsburgh can very well be one of those teams that sneakily, but pretty good, win 11 or 12 games. So before this episode, right? I was thinking about sitting back. I was thinking about some topics and they were all mostly NFL topics, NFL topics, preseason talk. Then I started thinking to myself, I'm like, a lot of people are so interested. There's just like year in, year out. I'm always amazed as I continue to grow, as I continue to meet people. I'm always amazed of just the excitement and the involvement and the investment that not just fans but the media like myself like other fellow podcasters other content creators other analysts i mean from from everybody that has their hands involved from the fans to the players to the teams to the media coverage there is so much investment and then I'd be damned. I'm watching, for instance, I'm watching the Ravens and Commanders game. And it was must-see TV. And it was a preseason game. It was a preseason game. Like, preseason game. And I, I, I know I have my basketball lovers who sometimes ask me, like, man, you talk heavy NFL, especially during the NFL season. I'm like... Yeah, because first it's NFL season, but I'm like, with the NBA, and I love the NBA growing up, still do, I love the NBA, but growing up, my love for the NBA was a little bit more deeper. I can admit that, like, I, I'm not as in, I'm not as invested in the NBA, especially in the regular season, Um, uh, and that's just something that I, I mean, maybe I'm just too busy, like, I got school and, you know, recording for you guys, like, maybe I'm just too busy. But I sure do make time on Sundays to, to watch these NFL games and be able to talk about them. And I think it's the I, the NF the, like they make us care. And the reason why I think a lot of people, fans, a lot of the viewers, a lot of the media, the reason why we care 
is because I watched the Ravens and Commanders game, preseason game. They care. They care. They care. That that Ravens and Commanders game, which had no stock in, the only stock that that game had was the Ravens' 24-game preseason streak, winning streak, which is pretty impressive, right? <laughs> you know, they won 24 straight preseason games. That was that was the only thing that was like at stake in terms of like from both teams from a viewer's perspective. Obviously, dudes are trying to play for jobs, they're trying to compete for jobs. So that you know, they got that. But in terms of like just watching that in terms of like viewership, why is this game significant? The only significance <laughs> that I can think of is the 24-game win streak. Other than that, it's a preseason game, it's just a regular old preseason game, but it felt like a regular season football game that you'll be able to see and watch on NFL Red Zone ticket, on NFL Red Zone. And like I said, the NBA, it's cool and all. The stars are great, right? Um, Stars are very talented. I mean, these guys are really, really super talented. But the product and the numbers don't lie. The NFL is still king. And like I said, I think the reason why there's so much investment and people are willing to, I mean, season ticket holders, you know, pay $15 for beers. I don't know why, but hey, knock your, like people do that. The reason why people do that is because the NFL, like it just, like they're king and it just matters more. They actually showed it like the, the amount of effort that I saw from both the commanders and the Ravens was absolutely insane. Like, you can tell these teams, they have practiced hard. They put a lot of effort into practicing. They put a lot of effort into the game planning and the and the strategic thoughts going into this game, and it showed itself. It was like, it was it was one of the best reasons the games I've watched ever. And that is the type of product that the NFL is giving us in the preseason. It's hard any given night in the NBA to just see a good game. Like, in order to see, like, a really good game, it feels like you got to watch, like, one of those TNT standalone games. Or, one, like, you got to wait to Christmas Day or you got to wait to uh, – you got to wait until, I don't know, a late Sunday on March. Like, it just feels – this feels really choppy in the NFL – the, the the product and the quality of the product just feels more natural in college football. People get mad because people talk about the SEC and the SEC gets so much coverage. But you ever thought to yourself, granted, yes, they're the most dominant and they're like they they have they have had a lot of success as a conference, but it, it, it like they, it matters to them more. It matters to the SEC more, it, it, and it shows. That's their slogan. It just matters more. That's the SEC slogan, and it's the perfect. It's like the perfect slogan for that conference because it does matter more. And then I look at other conferences like the Pac-12, where uh, you know, Pac-12 about the dark. <laughs> you know, like. And now we see what's going on in the Pac-12. Their, their biggest programs are like, yeah, we're out of here because you guys clearly don't care. And that's what happens. And that's what happens. And from that game, 
I can tell that's why in the opening in my open when I first opened this um when I started this episode, I told you guys I was like a lot of these teams, every team, not just a lot, uh, every team, no matter how good, how bad we think they are or they're going to be or how we're predicting how the, the season will play out. They are invested. All of these teams are invested. They're invested. And it ain't no, it like, it's all, it's not all fun and games. Like, it's serious. And it shows. And I, you know, I've had some opportunities to talk with some commander players and so forth. Um, Hopefully, you know, I, you know, I'm going to get some, um, I'm going to get some commander players to come on the pod. But I've been able to chat it up with some commander guys, some commander players, and they, like, they're serious. And they've been, like, invested. Now, like I said, who knows? My my opinion, the Commanders, they might finish. I don't think they're gonna be a playoff team this year. But those guys, I can tell you guys. For instance, I can tell you guys for a fact, they're committed. They're committed. Um, I got some other breaking news. I would say, um, the Colts are allowing Jonathan Taylor to seek a trade. Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Colts are an. They're allowing. Jonathan Taylor to seek a trade. And I'm going to talk about let me, Let's talk about this. Because I have two thoughts. Two, two big thoughts. Two big reasons. Two big thoughts. Things that I want to point out. I think the first one that I want to get to is the Colts have been a joke for years. Right? And For me, I have I have commended and complimented Chris Ballard um, on 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 occasions because of how he's put this roster together, despite not being able to find the answer at quarterback. Now they have Anthony Richardson. So we they got Anthony Richardson. They got Steve Steichen. So we'll see if that's what you know, if that's the answer there. But outside of that. In terms of Jim Ursay and just the direction that this franchise has taken over the last three, four, five years, it's just gotten weird. And I think for a long time, when we think of Indianapolis, at least for like the 20th and 21st century, we think of the good quarter, the great quarterback play. That they have had come through, come walk through those doors in terms of Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, but like I think the further and further we get away from Manning's and Andrew Luck's playing days, it appears to me that the Indianapolis Colts are one of the most dysfunctional and jokes as a franchise in the league. Um, five years, eight starting quarterbacks. Um, I get it. They fired Frank Wright. Like I said, I think I get it, but Frank Wright, I think is a really good coach and it's a kind of a, it's kind of a telltale sign. He got fired, then automatically gets a new job. Like he gets a new head coaching job worth big money. I don't know. Uh, I don't, I that kind of tells me that's a telltale sign that, hey, maybe that wasn't a bad coach. Maybe he's pretty good. 
right? If he got if he got another job automatically and it's worth a lot of money, I don't know. Maybe maybe that was a telltale sign. Now they're they're not trying to play their they're not trying to pay their best player in Jonathan Taylor. And he's been nothing but a class act. He didn't have his best year this past year, but the year before last, he essentially curried them. He had an MVP caliber year. But that's just my that's just that's my first thought. Indianapolis, if you just if we can just act like that Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck don't exist over the past four or five years, this franchise has been like some of the moves some of the decisions that they have made has it has you scratching your head and especially at the quarterback spot because it's not like it's not like the roster has just been horrendous but it's at the quarterback spot is just so much instability in the quarterback position it's like a musical chairs it's like a, it's like a game of musical chairs um so Luck and Manning kind of, I think they kind of like shielded and they they were so damn good that we turned a blind eye to how bad ownership was. But now the further you remove them from the picture, ownership blatantly is it, in our face. Like he, like Jim Irsay is, he ain't looking too good in terms of like he might be one of the worst owners in the sport over the past three, four years. Like some of the decisions, some of the moves is really highly questionable. Second thing is, okay, they're letting Jonathan Taylor seek a trade, right? So they're testing the market. And I think we know how this is going to go. Cause Jonathan Taylor, I, I did a whole, I've been talking about this running back thing. I feels like all off season. But I think we all know how it's going to go. Now, apparently, he has a new agent that is that ain't that ain't afraid to get his hands dirty and get into the mud. And eh, that's what I heard. His agent is not afraid to you know push the envelope and 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 do what it get do to you know get a deal done, right? But with that, that means a team will have to trade. Because the Colts want a first round pick, which I kind of get because it's their best player. That means the team would have to trade picks, high value picks for Jonathan Taylor. And then, oh, yeah, on top of that, pay him, let's just say, around about 40 to $45 million guaranteed. I don't know the likelihood of that happening. I just don't. I, I don't I don't I don't think the likelihood of that happening is very high at all. And what do you know? I always tell you guys. Austin Eckler for a prime example. Austin Eckler, super, super productive running back. Um, over the last two years, I think he has I think this past year he had 18 touchdowns. And then the year before last, he had like 20 touchdowns. I think that was like a league high, right? And I think over the last two years, he's led the league in touchdowns. So, like, production, super crazy production. But Austin Eckler felt like, just like Jonathan Taylor, felt like he was getting screwed. And, you know, he asked the Chargers, hey, you going to pay me? Chargers like, eh, nah, you're worth, like, your $7 million value, that's just where you keep it. 
But then the Chargers allowed him to seek out trades, and Austin Eckler was then put on the market. The market spoke. Teams were not going to give up draft picks or a draft pick and then turn around and pay Austin Eckler as good and as productive as he's, as he's been. But I always tell you guys, you want to see the market or the value for a player or for a position, put it on the market. Actually put it on the market. And the market, I think it's very clear, has spoken on running backs. But granted, I mean, you look around the league, when 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 Devontae Adams was put on the market, the Raiders gave up picks. They they gave him 70, 70 to $100 million. Um, Kansas City, when they put Tyreek, when they put Tyreek Hill open on the trade block, there were suitors. There were suitors. Miami came in, boatload of cash and draft picks. Khalil Mack, years ago, Raiders put him on the trade market. Chicago, first round picks, gave him $100 million. Right? Like Jalen Ramsey, once again, got traded from Jacksonville. Jacksonville put him on the market. Rams gave up. How many other first round picks? And then they turned around, and gave him $75 million. Like the market speaks. The market speaks. Even with wide receivers, even with like the market speaks. The market speaks and it and it, it tells you all you need to know. Hell, and this you look back on it now, hindsight is 2020. But Jamal Adams, the Jets put Jamal Adams on a trading block. Seattle gave up first round picks and then paid him, made him the highest paid safety in football. Now you look back at that trade and you're like, uh, you know, the, the, the Seahawks wouldn't have like, they obviously wouldn't have made, they wouldn't make that trade again, but it happened. <laughs> it happened. And, and, and that, and he, Jamal Adams, a safety who, not the best pass coverage guy. But the market has spoken when it comes to running backs. So granted, I think Jim Irsay as an owner, I think, you know, he's kind of getting shown up and he ain't he ain't all what we thought he was like. The organization is kind of like just in total chaos. And it's just been musical musical chairs at the quarterback position. But if we're talking about Jonathan Taylor and the running back position and teams actually happening to give up draft compensation and not just any just lowly draft, like, but teams are like legitimately giving up draft compensation. And then on top of that, you got to pay him like, let's just say, like I said, a guaranteed 40, 45 million dollars. That's a hard sale. That is a hard sale for. A lot of teams, if not every team around the league. And I guarantee you, and there's probably there's you can probably find reports where like most executives are saying, like, hey, no, like no one is going to do that. No one is going to make that type of transaction. Right. Like no one. Jonathan Taylor, great player, really productive, great guy. Seems to be a great guy. Um, but he feels like he's getting screwed. And, you know. <laughs> It's kind of funny, like, you know, guys like uh, Christian McCarthy, Derrick Henry, you know, they, they're speaking out, but they ain't like, hey, we're getting screwed. Like, no, the guys that 
you know, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Joshua Jacobs, Josh Jacobs, he's not even, he's nowhere to be found. He went MIA. Uh, the Raiders should put an NPB out for him. But Saquon, he got the, he kind of got the gist really quickly. Hey, you know, market spoke. Teams aren't going to just give out running back, give contracts to running backs like that. It's not going to happen. There's not going to be too many suitors. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So two, this is the tale of two things can be true. Yes, Jim Ursay, as an owner, is getting worse and worse by the day. And have the Colts, and if you take away the Andrew Luck, or if you're not thinking about the Andrew Luck and the Peyton Manning years, have the Colts just been a total dysfunction since that point? Yeah, they have. They have. And they have had they have made a lot of bone hitter mistakes. But in that same instance of two things can be true, the second thing that is true is that hey, John Taylor, as great as good as a running back he is, as productive as a player he is, I find it highly, highly unlikely, or I find it highly like unlikely that teams are just gonna throw themselves into this. This this transaction in terms of giving up valued draft compensation and then also paying Jonathan Taylor premium money for the position. I I find it highly unlikely. I think it's more likely that this stuff gets pushed to the side and they they become the terms that a deal isn't going to be found. Right, a trade isn't going to be made, and they just they just brush it up from there. I think that is more likely to happen than an actual team giving up valued draft compensation that the Colts are looking for, and then also the contract that Jonathan Taylor is looking for. Right? It's like it's like the team, whoever team, if a team does it, it's like you're it's like you're bending over backwards for both parties needs for Jonathan Taylor. You're bending over backwards because you got to pay him. But then for the Colts, in order to get Jonathan Taylor services, you have to exchange and give up value draft compensation. So like, what's the, at this point, it's like whatever team makes that trade, or if there is a team that makes a trade, where's the win? Okay. You get Jonathan Taylor, but you get him on a $45 million guarantee contract. That's the win. That's the win. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there is a lot of teams that is set up um, or that's constructed where do like they walk away from that trade and they're feeling good because they have Jonathan Taylor and they have Jonathan Taylor on a forty-five million dollar deal. I I just don't. I that that's not a great. That's not a great bargaining chip or piece to walk away with. When it comes to trading, I I just that's that's just not good enough. There's there's just not enough there. So I think it's actually more likely that they just brush it up and a trade isn't made rather than a trade actually being made. But hey, who knows? Who knows? Maybe there is a sucker out there. All right. Before I let you guys go, um, first and foremost, you know, college football is starting up this weekend. I'm very, very excited. And with that, as I told you guys, I'm going to be making my, um, you know, my conference predictions. And today 
I will give you guys my Big Ten predictions. I will give you guys my Big Ten predictions and what I feel, what I'm feeling like. Um, in the Big Ten, it's gonna be it's gonna be all shaked and moved around by next year. By this time next year, we'll be having a whole totally, totally, totally different um conversation about the Big Ten and the contenders and the teams within the Big Ten. But for this year, um, my Big Ten predictions, here, here they are. And out east, the Big Ten East obviously is the loaded division. And hopefully with the added teams, with that West Coast coming, with those West Coast teams coming in, hopefully we can just get rid of the whole div- divisions thing in the Big Ten because – it really kind of takes away like I wish we could get like a Big Ten championship with Michigan and Penn State or Ohio State and Michigan or Ohio State and Penn State. Like, I wish we can have a Big Ten championship game like that, where it's just like divisions are just really just we could just get rid of it. I think that's one of the downsides to divisions. But in the big Big Ten East, nevertheless, it's really loaded. Um, Penn State. Really, really deep. Uh, I think a lot of people. I, so the official top twenty-five polls got, came out, and I think Penn State was number. I don't. Were they? They were in the top five, and I know. Pro, I know people were probably can like like whoa, Penn State. Penn State is really, really good. Penn State is really deep. Drew Aller, um, really good back. This might be James Franklin's best team. Um, now the question, the big, big question for them is, can they get over the hump that is Michigan and Ohio state in their own division? Because essentially that's what they're going to have to do in order to be able to represent the big 10, um, in, or the big 10 East, the East division in the big 10 championship game. And boy, if there's any year that they could do so, it could be this year. It could be this year to get over one of those two hurdles. Um, That's Michigan, Ohio State. But I really I I, I like Penn State. So keep an eye out for them. Um, But man, it's kind of hard. And Ohio State, they're dominant. I don't want to make it seem like Ohio State. Like Ohio State is really, really dominant. And I do expect their defense and their line and their play in a line of scrimmage to be better than what it was or what it has been over the past few years because that's where they've kind of lacked. Where like they just they're just they seem like they're just not physical enough up front, and that is why I'm gonna pick Michigan to represent the East Division in the Big Ten Championship game. Because tried and true about football, I will never forget it. And I have multiple coaches tell me this. But I have a coach that I'm really – a coach friend that I'm really close with. And he's coached at pretty much every level. And he tells me, he's like, hey, these spread offenses and the skilled guys and the quarterbacks that can move around, he was like, hey, that's great and all. And, yes, to a degree, you need those things. And those things are as they're more important in today's game than they have ever been in the past. But he always tells me tried and true. The line of scrimmage. Physicality. Good matchups, matchups and the line of scrimmage. And that is what Michigan. That's what Michigan has. 
matchups and line of scrimmage. And you look at what they have coming back. Michigan arguably, arguably have the best team in the country. They're getting back 70%, um, over 70% of production from last year. They possibly have 15 NFL guys on this roster. They like they're bringing back so much production. And I think tried and true, when it comes down to it, Michigan and the matchups and the matchup nightmares that they can create for anybody within the Big Ten, I think is why it's the reason why I'm going to lean with them to make it to the Big Ten championship game. Now, out west, we have, you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota's always tough. But I really like Luke Fickle in Wisconsin. I'm going to go with Luke Fickle in Wisconsin. It's his first year taking over. And for years, Wisconsin has been really, really, we all know Wisconsin for one thing. And it's one thing, they run the damn football. But the reason why I'm so – first, I'm high on Luke Fickle. Uh, people – players are run through a brick wall for Luke Fickle. And I'm expecting that same type of tried-and-true mantra with Wisconsin. But then Wisconsin also is going to have the element of a passing game. Um, They're going to have the element of a passing game, which – they're not going to be just throwing the football around, but Wisconsin, for the first time, and it seems like forever, they're going to have a balanced attack. They're going to have a balanced attack, but it's going to still have that mixture of that hardcore version of Wisconsin football where they just punch you in the mouth and they can still run it as good as anybody in the country. But once again, I think they have meet Michigan in the Big Ten championship game. But once again, the matchups from the line of scrimmage and just everywhere else, I feel like Michigan has the advantage with everyone in the Big Ten. I look like at the quarterback spot, they're bringing back McCarthy. Um, they're going to be a dynamic passing game. Obviously, Michigan, they can run the football. Michigan, in terms of their defense, they can rush the passer. They have no they have no problem covering the pass. They have one of the best, if not the best, um defensive back in college football in Will Smith. They are really, really good. This Michigan team, I think, will be look out for them. Look out for them to really, really make some noise and possibly win a national championship. I think they're that good, but I have Michigan taking the Big Ten. Um, again, and it kind of brings the question. I know a lot of people are wondering about Ryan Day, and it's interesting because Ryan Day is one and two versus Michigan and Jim Hallball and Ohio State. Obviously, Michigan is the favorites, and Ohio State will have to go to Ann Arbor this year to play Michigan. And it's just an interesting conversation going around and topic because the eight, the, the 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 longtime athletic director of Ohio State, Gene Smith announced that he's retiring. So big year for Ryan Day because they're gonna get because Ohio State's gonna get a new AD. And one thing we know about athletic directors when it comes to these college programs, the one sport that they're gonna have their fingerprints on or that they're gonna have like a lot of say and a lot of like opinions on, it is going to be the football program. 
And losing to Ohio State three years in a row, not going to say Ryan Day is going to get fired. I don't think that's going to happen. But it really puts a target on his back, especially with a new AD coming in. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I will be back later on, uh, hopefully this weekend, to talk some college football, to talk more NFL, Maybe we got some Trey Lance news, more NFL preseason, and so forth. But always remember, two choices, one decision. Peace, deuces. I am out, gone. Hope you guys enjoy.